The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, stop practicing for the Tangram Olympics and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 491 with guest Francesco Balena, recorded live Tuesday, September 1st, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now, offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who always brings enough to share with the whole class, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much. This is Carl Franklin. Welcome to another stellar edition of .NET Rocks. I am sitting in the uh, lobby of the Papendal Hotel and Conference Center in Arnhem, the Netherlands. Uh, Richard and I are here at SDC, which is the largest developer conference in the Netherlands for developers. Any any developer conference, doesn't matter what it is. If it's in the Netherlands, SDC is the largest and uh, Richard has been doing a lot of sessions here. We did a .NET Rock session as well, which you'll be hearing soon on the show. You know, we're going around collecting a lot of great stories and a lot of great sessions. So we don't really have a better no framework this week or a things I've learned this week or anything like that or email. So we're just going to roll the show that we recorded uh, earlier with Francesco Belena on VB to .NET migration. It's pretty awesome. Listen up. Our guest today is Francesco Belena. He is one of the two Microsoft Regional Directors for Italy and author of the Programming Visual Basic series, which uh, four editions, VB6, 2002, 2003, and 2005, published by Microsoft Press. Author of Programming Visual C Sharp, the base class library. Co-author of Advanced.NET Framework Programming with VBNet with Jeff Richter and Practical Code Guidelines for VBNet and C Sharp Developers, with Giuseppe DiMauro. He wrote for Visual Studio Magazine, MSDN Magazine, and other technical magazines and spoke at many conferences for developers in the U.S. and Europe. He launched a few websites for developers, including vbtothemax.com, which later became .nettothemax.com, and vbmigration.com, the only website entirely devoted to vb6 to .net migration. 
Francesco is co-founder of Code Architects, an Italian software company that specializes on Microsoft technologies and programming, and is the main author of VB Migration Partner, an innovative tool for migrating VB6 apps of any size and complexity to .NET. Code Architects is a member of the Visual Studio Industry Partner, VSIP, and of the ISV NXT program. Welcome, Francesco. Hi. Hi, everyone. I Richard, I Carl. Hey. We were talking just to, before we get off on this amazing tool and, and your work in the area. Uh, we, we, we just touched briefly on the fact that Francesco was in the, uh, the illustrious band on the runtime in its heyday. The fabulous band on the runtime. Yes. Well, it, yeah, it was my honor to be there, really. <laughs> it was so much fun. I, I, I had played, I, you know, I, I had played a lot of uh, jazz music and uh, very little rock music, but I had to admit that rock is much, much, much more fun. I have to admit that. So let's hope we rejoin the, the, the band sooner or later. And so just quickly, for those who don't know what that was, it's, uh, it was a, a band that was put together by Don Box and Ted Patterson. Don played bass. Ted Patterson wrote most of the songs and uh, sang and played guitar. Uh, there were different incarnations of it, but when I, when I was in it, I played drums. Dave Chappell played uh, piano. Francesco played uh, saxophone. And uh, there are a couple other singers uh, whose names uh, elude me because I, I didn't know them. <laughs> me too. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we, we played at, uh, on the top of the standard at PDC 2003, I think. Yeah. Yes. Was that right? Yes. And also right. the RD party that, that year we played there. And uh, there is some video floating around on the internet somewhere of Band on the Runtime, and particularly of Don Box singing Miguel <laughs> to Miguel de Acaza and dancing with him with a rose in his teeth, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a must-see, absolutely. <laughs> that one. <laughs> It's yeah. for the entire performance. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. All right. So anyway, enough about Band on the Runtime. You have been doing nothing but VB6 to .NET migration for a long time. This is like your thing. Yes, that's correct. I, I was involved in uh, um, VB6 to .NET migration uh, a few years ago. And actually, uh, yeah, yeah, the funny story is uh, there were you know many, many factors uh, coming together, there were some customers in Italy, and they wanted to migrate their applications to .NET. And in that period, I was asked by the, an Italian publisher to write a foreword for a book uh, um, related to VB6 uh, to .NET migration. And so I was, I was reading the book while preparing my foreword, and there were many sentences such as, uh, this can't be done in VBC, uh, in VB.net, or uh, uh, there, there are too many differences, or uh, the wizard, the, the upgrade wizard inside Visual Studio can't do this, can't do that. Right. So while reading the book, I, I sort of realizing that there were many things that could actually be done with a, with a smarter converter, and, uh, and that's uh, where the story started. So I wrote a prototype, I saw that uh, some ideas were working, and uh, after about two years and a half of beta testing, uh, we have this uh, VB uh, migration partner. 
Now, the you know, the obvious question on everybody's mind is what can it do? But as I'm reading your blog and you're listing off of the things that it supports and the things that it will deal with, the obvious question is what can it do? Because it what does can, everything. What can it cannot do, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, what can it handle? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Well, actually, there are a few things that it can't do. Uh, it can't uh, translate... Uh, uh, it can uh, really uh, automatically translate uh, um, a few a few v six uh, uh, controls. So for example, the OLE controls, the OLE control is not supported. Uh, it, it can translate uh, something such as uh, you know property pages. Uh, you know, really, really, you know, not really common v right. six uh, features. Um, uh, web classes. We don't do web classes. And uh, what else? We User don't documents. Uh, and... ActiveX uh, XE project because right. uh, I mean that technology is not available under .NET. Right. But but for example, we do support a limited form of uh, DDE dynamic data exchange, for wow. example, <laughs> or drag and drop, or uh, graphics, uh, or uh, data binding with uh, DAO, RDO, or ADO, etc. With a lot of things. The, the, actually, the product has evolved uh, over these. Uh, we, we launched that in May last year, May 2008, and in this uh, year and uh, 15 months or whatever. Uh, it has evolved, uh, and we have covered in more and more areas. So, in, in your, you also tout that it has an accuracy higher than ninety nine point nine percent. Yes, that's. I believe that's uh, what everybody would tell about the ISON convert. But I mean, we have uh, the, the one thing that um, that's also interesting. I believe uh, when we launched this product, uh, there is only an, another company who markets. Um, uh, actually, there are a few uh, a few companies who mar- uh, that market BB6 to .NET translators, and uh, uh, we we understood that it was very um, hard to convince developers that we had a better product. So the the, the road that we took, the path that we took, is uh, uh, we decided to uh, to bring several open source uh, VB6 samples that are available over the internet. We put them, uh, we translated them using our our uh, VB migration partner, and we put the result on our website. So actually, people can go and and uh, download the .NET version of those. Uh, uh, those samples, they, they can compare the source code. They can see that we didn't cheat in any way, for example. And actually, they can see there are some uh, really, really, you know, cool examples of VB6 programming uh, over there. For example, we have uh, a ray tracing program, and uh, it's, it's quite complex, you know, polygonal stuff with shapes, etc., and rotating solid shapes, etc. And uh, we actually can. Uh, can uh, migrate that uh, the first attempt. When we when we saw that we could, we could do that, uh, we had, we we toasted the, in in our company. We let's have yeah. champagne uh-huh. and champagne. Toast. Yeah. What uh, here's the uh, another maybe obvious question is that, and I think you're you're answering it. Uh, people who are familiar with the uh, you know the VB migration wizard that comes in Visual Studio. The first experience that we had with .NET as as VB people was really awful. 
Yeah. Uh, and they there's a built-in compatibility layer class. Uh, there's a whole namespace that basically encapsulates all of the VB6 keywords in managed wrappers. Um, and the wizard did m- little more than go through your code and just replace the statements, you know, with, uh, with those, with those statements, with the really long namespace and all of that. And so, you know, what I was looking forward to was, Getting my old, you know, open file name for binary as number one, you know, and then put and get into the file and all that. Oh, dude, I'm having chills. I was hoping that it was going to replace that with nice calls to the, to the, uh, stream object with stream readers and stream writers and all of that stuff. And of course it doesn't. You know, is that the kind of thing that your tool does? Will it actually rewrite the code to use? Um, the corresponding .NET classes, or is it just going to use the compatibility layer or some combination of both? Mm. Well, actually, uh, I was uh, when, when I ran the upgrade wizard in Visual Studio, I was disappointed uh, too. I mean, when I when I did that, uh, in no, you know, when, remember when uh, .NET uh, was uh, in beta. And uh, I was disappointed too because I was looking for someone, uh, for something that could make the sort of transformations that you were talking about. You know, using yeah. the string object, for example, or other native objects uh, in the .NET framework. Right. The truth is, uh, you know, after playing a lot with this concept, the, the truth is, the truth is that um, it's really difficult to do that. What, what I mean is, uh, oh. Uh, if you really want 100% functional equivalence with the VB6, that's not a viable road, a viable path. But because there are so many, you know, subtle differences between the string object, uh, object in VB6 and the string class in .NET, there are so many subtle differences that you can do that kind of transformation. It wouldn't be difficult. I mean, from from the standpoint of uh, the writer of uh, a code migration tool. It wouldn't be difficult, it, but uh, it would be a lot of additional work for the developer who, who is actually using the tool. So we actually took uh, the library support uh, uh, path. We, we actually, we actually, we do, we do several things, of course, to reach that kind of uh, um, high precision in, in, um, in migrating the tool, we, we do several things. For example, we have a, a, what I think is a better parser. Our parser can understand better the structure of the VB6 code, for example. And uh, we can emit, uh, of course, we, we do some uh, very neat tricks uh, while emitting code. For example, we can replace, uh, in wherever possible, we can replace uh, on error with the try catch. Or we we can refactor GoSubs into separate methods, mm. or we can refactor uh, on remember on GoTo on GoSubs go statements very little used, but there are many programs that still use them. And we can refactor those statements into pure VB.NET. So that's the language. So one thing is the language, the structure of the language and its uh, keywords. Uh, you know, the keyword is uh, if, uh, then, uh, um, while, go, uh, go sub. Those are keywords. 
the other, the other, what, what are, what are the methods that are defined in the VB6 runtime can actually be mapped into similar methods in either the, the Visual Basic compatibility uh, namespace you were referring to, or to methods in our own support library. So we have a support library that uh, I believe it's much better than the one provided with, with the VB.NET. And thanks to the combination of these two factors, a better code generation engine and uh, a more extensive uh, and uh, a more uh, a, a, a library, a .NET library that mimics very closely the VB6 behavior. Thanks to these two, to, to these two factors together, we can achieve the kind of uh, high degree of compatibility. All right. So you're using the compatibility layer where it makes sense, and you're using tools in your own compatibility library where that where that makes sense more. Uh, yeah. What do you mean? Sorry. Yeah. I I, I understand. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I think we all understand. So, uh, and I also noticed that you're in most cases, or in in all in many cases, compressing the number of lines of code just because of the differences between the language VBNet and VB6 using return instead of setting a value and exit function, for example, or uh, creating a variable on one line and then assigning it on another, you can combine those into one line. Um, what are some of the other, what are some of the other um, improvements uh, that you can do, you know, little tweaks that you can do to the code as you're migrating? Mm. Yeah, for example, first let me uh, describe uh, how VB Migration Partner works. Uh, I believe the single most important improvement that we have done uh, to the wizard, conversion wizard, is that we uh, provide support for, for what we call migration pragmas. Migration pragmas are uh, um, some sort of comments or remarks that you add in the VB6 code. And thanks to these pragmas, you can affect the behavior of the migration uh, engine, either at the project level or at the file level or at the method level or at the variable level. No? So, for example, you can say, for example, all the, all the arrays that have a non-zero lower bound must be translated in this way except the arrays in this file or the arrays in this method or this specific array. So we are very granular about what we do. What, what, I mean, the, we actually can instruct the migration partner to do exactly what we want, either at the global level or the, the local level. So these pragmas are like special comments that you put above your code that are sort of like directives Exactly. Your, Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. It's like uh, we have uh, apostrophe. Um, we call that, that uh, apostrophe. Pound. Pound. No, sorry. Yeah, that's it. Apostrophe. The grid, pound, the grid pound. character. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and thanks to these pragmas, uh, we can specify how certain VB6 uh, you know structures or uh, statements or variables must be dealt with. Well, it's uh, you know what the first thing that um, comes to mind is if I have to go through millions of lines of code decorating it with pragmas, you know, to tell your 
uh, conversion thing what to do, you know, that, that sort of yeah. kind of takes a lot of the yeah. wow, yeah. the gee whiz effect out of <laughs> it. takes a lot of time. It takes yes. the wind out of my sails. But in most cases, you don't have to. Because in most cases, uh, um, just the project level pragmas are, are enough. Okay. In most cases. In some cases, yes, you have to go through your code. I mean, see when, when an error occurs or when you see a warning provided by the, either the compiler or the migration tool, yeah. you can, uh, you know, you can do something at that specific uh, portion of line. I also should just point out real quick that you uh, mentioned that there's an average of one compilation error every 1,100 lines of code. So I imagine even if you did, uh, even, if, even if that did happen, you would first just run with the project pragmas, and then wherever there's an error, you could easily fix that by adding a, well, not easily, but, you know, in some cases you could fix it by adding yep. pragmas at the method level. Perfect. It's exactly the kind of process that we have in, we had in mind when we designed that part of the, of the, of the product. So, uh, once you know what pragmas are and how you can insert them in the VB6 code, uh, the, we, you can do a lot of things. For example, you were mentioning, uh, you were asking about which sort of tricks we can do to the BBC, uh, to BB.NET code, you know, while, uh, while producing the BB.NET code. For, for example, we can, uh, uh, we can uh, generate code that uh, ensures that the as new semantics, uh, remember the as new variables in BB6, uh, those were very tricky variables because they were object variables. If an object variable is declared using as new, as new something, as new person, as new widget or whatever, the VB6, if the variable is nothing, as soon as you reference the variable, VB6 creates the variable. Right. And and this is one, and of course, the, the VB.NET semantics is completely different if you have as new just declares a variable and, cre and creates the first instance of the variable. But if you set that variable to nothing and then you later reference again that variable, the variable is still nothing. So, of course, uh, what happens in a, in a real program is that you have a, a non-reference exception. Okay, so when you find that runtime error, you go back to the project-level programs and say, okay, I want all the new variables to be treated in a special way. So you insert a pragma which is called auto new, and from that point on, all the new variable, or all the variables that market as new will automatically behave like in BB6 and preserve the, the, the lazy instantiation semantics that they have in BB6. This, this is one of the things that you can do. Another tricky thing, tricky thing which is actually even more interesting, I believe, is uh, the support for uh, i-disposable objects. Yeah. yeah that's, that's really a, a big problem whenever you translate. You, you, you are, I'm sure you are aware of, of this. No? If you, um, just a short description, for example, in DB6, uh, if you have a, an ADO DB record set or connection, database connection, you open the connection and you later set the connection to nothing or you let the connection object go out of scope, the object is set to nothing, and the connection is automatically closed. This is the VB6 behavior. And uh, millions of VB6 developers in the world have uh, either, uh, I mean, either implicitly or explicitly taken advantage of this uh, behavior. 
the dot the, the net behavior is completely different. When you set a variable to nothing or the variable goes out of scope, nothing happens. The connection is still open, the record set is still open, etc. And this is also true for files. I mean, whenever you have a resource, uh, in db.net, you have to orderly close or dispose of it. Okay, so what we have done, we had another pragma, which is called auto-dispose. Nice. And any time uh, you define a variable, or, I mean, an object that is i-disposable, that implements i-disposable, it can be a record, it can be, can be anything, whatever. Uh, when uh, you, you, you have the auto-dispose pragma active in that area of code, in that method, the VB migration partner generates the code that automatically creates a, a try-finally block and disposes, disposes of the variable in the finally block. And it's done completely automatically. That's great. And it's a lot, there are a lot of headaches that you don't have to go through. So how, I mean, this sounds like it's cool, but at the same time, it's, it's not easy to do per se, right? What projects does it really make sense to, to look at migration like this? Oh, well, hmm. uh, let me, let me tell, uh, let me tell this story. When I was, uh, when VB, uh, when .NET was launched uh, in, in, you know, in 2002 and uh, in the years where, uh, when it was in beta version, I was, uh, I am still am a Microsoft evangelist and I was, uh, you know, touring Italy and uh, whenever I was called to, 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 give, to give lectures. And I, and I always said, no, the, the right way is not, you don't have to migrate, you have to rewrite from scratch. Yeah, we because all said that's that. the only way to take advantage of the, the, the .NET platform. Right. Which is actually, I mean, I still believe that that's the only way to take full advantage of the .NET framework. But when I went to companies, you know, real-world companies, uh, ISVs, for example, or so large companies, I say, Yo, you do have to throw away this BB6 code. You have to rewrite everything from scratch. They, 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 they actually laughed at me because there was this company said, oh, okay, we have 50 million lines of code oh on BB, Visual Basic 6. <laughs> do you really, can you really think or believe that we are going to throw that away? So, the answer, I mean, uh, you, you asked, uh, your, your question is, uh, is really important. When do you have, uh, when do you really need this sort of uh, migration? And that's, uh, that's important. I do believe that uh, you need this migration when you have a, a large application. I mean, BB migration partner is not, uh, is not really, doesn't really fit uh, smaller programs. We, most of our customers have uh, applications in the range of, uh, you know, 100, 200,000 lines of code up to several millions lines of code. And uh, in that case, you can really afford, you know, going through every single line in the application and check whether uh, it's equivalent to VB6 uh, or, or things like that. So I do believe that uh, uh, migration tools such as ours uh, uh, really shine in those uh, situations. If you have an application to 20, 
20,000 lines of code, for example. Probably I, I wouldn't recommend an immigration tool unless you have a few developers, unless you, you are in a rush to go to the market, or, for example, unless uh, uh, all the VB6 uh, developers uh, who originally created the application went away, left the company, etc. You know, but in, in larger applications, uh, a migration tool makes, uh, can, makes a lot of sense. It can make the difference. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the Rad Control Suite for Silverlight. Are you already playing with Silverlight 3? Then you might have started using .NET RIA services, rich Internet application services, which make data operations a whole lot easier, especially for a line of business applications. So check it out. Our friends at Telerik are again ahead in the game, tapping on the new benefits of Silverlight 3. Their RAD control suite for Silverlight now fully supports .NET RIA services in domain data source. So if you're wondering what's in it for you, the answer is pretty straightforward. You get completely codeless binding to RIA services, impressive validation support on the client and on the server. Your customer will also be pleased to sort, filter, and page data much faster as all data operations are now server-side. Besides, the suite also offers out-of-browser support, and as you might already have heard, the first commercial 3D chart. Check out the Telerik Silverlight suite at telerik.com slash silverlight. Don't forget to say thanks for supporting .NET Rocks. Is hybrid really practical these days that I could I have this existing VB6 app, it works, and I start carving pieces of it off? to be in .NET and somehow integrate back and forth between the two? Yeah, you mean if you have a VB6 application that already exists and you want to you know, partially migrate that to VB.NET, is that what that you mean? Right. I, I, I'm not, I'm thinking about, I want to take advantage of .NET, I want to rewrite pieces of it, but not all of it at once. I want to have both versions existing for an extended period of time. Mm. Yeah, that that, that uh, makes a lot of sense for in, in several scenarios, I believe. For example, uh, you know, .NET, uh, if compared to VB6, uh, .NET really shines uh, on the server side. So, for example, if you rewrite the data tier or the business tier using .NET components, you can, uh, in theory at least, uh, you you should you you should that you can replace those components, uh, rewrite them in .NET, and still and still access those components from VB6 clients. That that makes sense. The the problem actually is that uh, uh, it's <laughs> to do that. And there, there are several several articles that suggest them, and even books not suggest this hybrid approach which, again, makes a lot of sense because I believe VB6 is still a great tool to create user interfaces, for example. So if you have a working user interface in VB6, you are not in a hurry to change that. Anyway, the problem is if you have a very large application, you know, with dozens or even hundreds of DLLs, you know, those kind of entiered applications, the problem is if you... Uh, replace the com DLL with the .NET DLL, you lose binary compatibility because uh, the VB6 client will look for uh, a, an object ID which is not uh, already, uh, which is not uh, uh, there because right. it has been replaced. 
The user interface, the high ID, the good ID has gone. And actually, this is uh, one of the things that we had to add because one of our customers uh, uh, asked for, for, for it because they wanted to do the, uh, what is called a staged migration or phased migration, partial migration. But uh, at the time, we didn't support uh, binary compatibility. So we added this feature, and now we have the, 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 the ability to replace one com DLL with a .NET DLL and still preserve the same IIDs in the registry, and everything works. So the, 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 the short answer is yes, an hybrid application makes sense in some right. scenarios. The longer answer is that yes, but you have to have a, a, a tool that helps you to do that. Otherwise, it's a nightmare because you should go to the registry or using OLEDU32 to look for all the IDs and then manually insert those attributes in .NET. It's a nightmare. I, I, I wrote that part. I remember it was a really tough part. Francesco, when you say COMDLLs, you mean if you have a group project, which is like a project or a solution in, in uh, Visual Studio, if you have a VB group where you have multiple projects together, and one of those is a COM DLL, the, the problem, of course, is that COM and .NET are two different things, but, um, but if you already have something installed that requires a certain Olay registry key, that's what you're talking about. You can, your tool now can go into those com dlls and and use the same registry key exactly so if uh, we uh, enable uh, there is another program which is called binary compatibility and if you use that program uh, when we migrate when when the tool migrates uh, a, a vb6 uh, activex dll project and project uh, and binary compatibility is activated. It looks into the DLL, extracts all the uh, interface IDs, object IDs, classes IDs, etc. And when it generates the .NET code, it inserts all the .NET attributes in code. No, because .NET allows you to generate uh, components that are visible from COM, and that can even you can even say you can even specify this. Uh, Component this this, uh, uh, this class, for example, as these uh, class ID or these interface ID. You can do that in .NET. It's, it, it's uh, part of the company in common interoperability uh, portion of .NET. The, our tool does that automatically. So the the, the .NET class that you generate. Uh, you can actually replace the old VB6 DLL with the new DLL and everything works because when you register the .NET DLL, it goes into the registry and adds exactly the same uh, keys that the VB6 DLL did. And therefore, all the clients continue, continue to work as before. Hey, um, uh, let me go down the list of, uh, well, let me just read off the list from, this is from your blog entry, where you mentioned the things that uh, this tool supports that most other conversion tools don't support. Uh, arrays with non-zero lower boundary, uh, go sub, on go to, and on go sub, which you, you know, on whatever go to, on whatever go sub, you already talked about that. Auto instancing variables, 
as any parameters and callback addresses and declare parameters. Uh, default properties resolve correctly even for late bound variables. Deterministic finalization you already mentioned for objects such as connection and record set to ensure the connection is correctly closed when the variable is set to nothing or the scope is exited. Limited support for variant variable and null propagation in expressions. All 60 plus controls in the VB6 toolbox with the only exceptions of OLE container and repeater plus the support for common ActiveX controls and components such as web browser, script control, scripting runtime, and the MSW-less library. Control arrays, including arrays of third-party controls, which I want to talk about next, third-party controls. Pop-up menus, the control.add method and the VBControl extender object to dynamically create data entry forms. The graphic methods like line, circle, PSET, paint, picture, etc., with support for any scale mode, including custom user modes. The printer object in the printer's collection. Uh, Olay drag and drop, which is amazing. I can't believe that. That's amazing. User control classes with support for advanced features such as the ambient and extender objects. Data binding to DAO, RDO, and ADO data controls, ADO record sets, data environment objects. Are you getting nostalgic here, Richard? I I'm, I got chills, man. <laughs> Non-hierarchical data environment objects. ADO data source and simple data consumer classes and user controls, for example, ADO data controls, custom ADO data controls. Multi-use, public, not creatable, and global multi-use classes. Wow, that's going back. Persistible classes, MTS, COM plus classes. So, and then that's where you say... The number of features is so high that it's easier to list the features that aren't supported. <laughs> I, I do believe user document was one of the things that it wasn't supported. Yeah, user documents, we don't do yeah. that. All right, third-party controls. I've got a bunch of custom controls that I bought from, you know, the, the vendors back in the day. Uh, what on earth do we do about those? Oh, that's, uh, the, the, that's the sad story, actually. Not for just the VB migration pattern, but for every tool on the market. Uh, of course, uh, we we can, uh, and um, the Upgrade Wizard, the Mutual Studio, and other tools from competitors uh, and uh, uh, our own tool, we can uh, translate, or actually we can migrate, that's the correct word, we can migrate ActiveX, uh, third-party ActiveX controls into the .NET form. What it means is that uh, um, we have uh, a .NET form which hosts the ActiveX control, which is actually half of a solution, uh, or, or it's, a not, it's, it's not a solution, actually. I, 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 I am I'm, I'm quite aware of that. I mean, if you want to translate your project to BB.NET, to .NET in general, you want to get rid of all the dependencies from COM, but it's, I mean, when you have a component from um, any other you know, third-party company, you can't really provide a .NET equivalent for all the thousands of controls out there. So we have done that uh, for uh, a minor, uh, you know, a little set of controls. Uh, the 3D, uh, remember, 3D uh, controls uh, by Sheridan. Right. Are, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it, I'm talking about, you know, some uh, uh, geological e- eras ago. Yeah. was about probably 
early 90, 90s. Yep, probably. 92, yeah. 93. So we, we do that. We do, we do those because we have seen that many, many customers use, use them. But, of course, we can't uh, uh, provide a similar approach for complex controls such as uh, you know, the TrueDB grid, for example, which was very uh, popular at those times. In those days, so um, we we do offer a two-step approach, which is far from being perfect, but it's the best that can be possibly do possibly done. Sorry, uh, we do this. We uh, we have a separate tool that comes with the migration partner, which is called IX Wrapper Gen. I mean, it's a, it's a command line tool. This tool generates a wrapper class for the control. It's a, it's a it, it's a quite contorted uh, approach, but it works. So what we do, we first generate a wrapper class. So we generate a class that has exactly the same methods and properties and events as the original ActiveX control. Okay, And that class inherits from the ActiveX control. So it is, for all... Uh, uh, for concerns, it is the ActiveX control. So we have these after, uh, we generate this ActiveX control on the form, okay. and uh, you have a running application. Once you have uh, get, uh, uh, once you got rid of all the compilation runtime errors, so you have a running application which still depends on COM, but at least you can test all the business logic uh, and uh, you know data access, etc. But uh, you have this wrapper class. So the next step. Uh, which uh, isn't really simple, but not uh, as complex as it uh, as uh, it may sound. You replace, uh, you know, you, so we have a class that inherits from the ActiveX control. And you, for example, you have the let's say a grid, let's say yeah. the, the TrueDB grid, just to make an example. So you go to component one, and they have the .NET version of the grid, which is more or less similar to the BB6. Uh, uh, component, and you say, okay, instead of inheriting from the ActiveX control, let's inherit from uh, the component one, com- uh, the, the new .NET control. The, the fact that you have used a wrapper class, you have a mediator, no, you have a class that mediates between the VB6, uh, the old VB6 uh, behavior, and the new base class, which is .NET. And thanks to the fact that you have this wrapper class, you can actually tweak all those uh, you know, methods and properties and events that don't really behave as in the original application. It's, again, it's not a, a simple process, but it's something that you, done, you do just once. So you, I mean, you, even if you have 100 instances of this control, you yeah. just have to tweak one uh, class, which is this wrapper class. Once you have uh, changed the, the inherit uh, uh, statement, uh, your application will, de- will not depend on COM any longer. Well, it sounds that's about as good as it gets then in migration in general. Yeah, th- there are other approaches. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I know some competitors, uh, they, they, they try to do the matching using code, but... Uh, I have seen that uh, that that path doesn't doesn't lead, no, that, doesn't lead any, anywhere actually that because, sound uh, good. because we want to reach one hundred percent functional equivalence and that's what that was the only path that we found uh, 
it was reasonable enough. Does your tool do any kind of separation of concerns above and beyond the original architecture of the of the existing application? In other words, do you do any architectural improvements or do you leave it just as is? If there's code behind the button, it stays behind the button. You don't put that in a class somewhere, right? Yeah, I was I, I was trying to do that. It would be that would be my dream. You know. Yeah. You know, analyzing the code and uh, and uh, changing the design of application automatically—that would be really the the, the killing uh, the killing. Um, yeah. Up. But I don't I don't think it's doable actually. Well, there are refactoring tools out there that can look at code and say, you know, like uh, Dev Express's refactor that can look at code and say, well, this should be extracted into a method or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe with the with a tool like that at your disposal. I don't, it's a runtime tool. I'm not sure how you could use it programmatically, but yeah, exactly. I mean, there are some things that we do. For uh, we do, we do a lot of code analysis, uh, but not as sophisticated that, uh, mm. as that. For example, yeah. we analyze all the methods and classes and uh, items, and we find those that uh, aren't uh, used anywhere in the program, and, and we optionally uh, delete or uh, delete them or remark them off. Uh, another another very very usable thing, very usable, much more than uh, you might might may believe, uh, is that we uh, we analyze. Uh, you know, when when you have a, me- a method signature, remember in DB6 uh, the default uh, passing mechanism was by ref. Yeah. So a lot of lazy developers uh, just didn't didn't insert by val or by ref mm-hmm. and was taken by ref uh, uh, as default. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what what we do, actually, we analyze uh, the code inside the method and check whether that parameter could be safely translated into bival. Ooh. And, uh, he, 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 I mean, I, I couldn't believe how many uh, runtime errors we could avoid then, thanks to that. Wow. There are so many. Uh, I mean, th- th- you also have an increase in performance, a minor increase in performance, but... Uh, uh, the, the real important of, uh, importance of that uh, of that uh, technique is that we, we could we could f- um, solve many many subtle uh, programming errors. Yeah, and that's one of I believe one one of the of the coolest things we do. You mentioned that there's uh, an average of one compile error every 1,100 lines of code. What are what are what do they typically boil down to after? All the stuff that you can do. What what kinds of errors are are most typical? Mm, you mean compile time or runtime? Yeah, time? compile time. Compile time. Yeah, I would say uh, we do a lot to uh, to hide the compiler errors. Uh, what I mean, uh, uh, for example, uh, if we do we don't support uh, uh, a method, uh, for example. Uh, Remember those undocumented methods, uh, var PTR, string PTR, etc. Uh, we do have sub methods in our uh, library. They are marked as uh, obsolete, uh, so that you actually get a, a warning, a compilation warning, instead of a completion error. And uh, I would say uh, most of the uh, of the of these uh, compilation error, uh, errors appear in the early stages of migration when you, for example, you haven't migrated the com, uh, ActiveX, com, ActiveX com, um, components, ActiveX controls yet. And I wouldn't say there is uh, 
some kinds of uh, compiler error that appear more frequently than others. Um, we have seen that in most cases, uh, uh, all compilation errors, uh, I mean, when you, when you see a lot of compilation errors, it's because, uh, uh, for example, the library is not uh, correctly registered and uh, uh, migration partner gets confused about, about that. So after you fix those, uh, you know, set up uh, problems, uh, in general, uh, we don't see that there isn't a category of errors that is uh, prevalent. Okay. Uh, a different, it's a different uh, thing with the runtime errors. Runtime errors, I mean, uh, there are some certain categories of errors uh, that appear more frequently. For example, whenever we see a null reference error, we, uh, our first uh, you know, try is to add uh, that pragma that says, okay, all as new variables should preserve the VB6 uh, semantics, for example. No, there are some... Uh, Error messages after uh, after uh, after all this practice. You no, know, there are some uh, runtime errors that uh, uh, ring a bell in our minds when we do provide support, etc. Okay. And, and we also um, we have a very large knowledge base, so you can uh, search a knowledge base whenever you have a, a runtime error or a compile error. You search the the, the knowledge base and look for solutions. Let it be a key feature in uh, in the success of this application, actually. I've been poking around the VB migration site, and uh, you've got quite a mix of tools here. Obviously, you guys are actually selling a large-scale migration tool, but there's a lot of free stuff available on the site as well. Yeah. Yeah, you see, uh, I mean, I, I have written uh, m more than 100 articles and then seven books, etc. I still, I still believe that even if I... I am in the business, in the software business. I do believe that, uh, you know, uh, making knowledge available uh, to developers uh, in this case, uh, it's, uh, it's always a good thing. And as a matter of fact, we have uh, a resources uh, section in our, uh, I think you were referring to the, our resources section. Right. We have uh, a free resources section on our website, which, which uh, I believe it's uh, it's the most complete source of the differences between VB6 and, uh, and .NET. We, everything that we learned in these years, uh, it's there. We have documented all the minor differences uh, in all the keywords and controls, uh, oh, and we are going to do that uh, uh, for differences between ADODB and ADO.NET, for example. We are going to improve that section. And also, we do believe that... Uh, we don't want, I mean, it, it's, a, it's an hybrid uh, website. It's partly commercial and partly uh, community, let's, I would say, even if we don't, we don't have forums because uh, our, our energies are limited. But the idea is that uh, we do pour all, our, all the knowledge we have on this subject uh, is available. And uh, all the documentation is available. We, uh, we uh, we are transparent about all the bugs that we have, all the limitations that we have. We like this approach. Remember that we are a very small company in the south of Italy, lost uh, on some hills in the south of Italy. And it was uh, very important for us to, uh, to, to, be, to convince developers. The developers were so disappointed about, uh, about uh, you know, the upgrade wizard and other, and possibly other, other tools uh, that use a traditional approach to right. migration. 
And it was of uh, paramount importance for us uh, to convince them that, that, that we know what we are seeing. And, 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 and therefore, the idea of having a free resource section is part of that strategy. It's, it's partly because uh, we love the community and partly because we want to, do, to, to convince that we know that we are creating a better tool. And as a matter of fact, actually, in the, the free section, we have several links to our competitors, which is not usual in the business, uh, uh, in this kind of business. When I get the sense that they, you know, a lot of, and a lot of these free tools, which do some incredible things for people who are willing to do the work, they should be able to migrate their apps fairly effectively. But they also get a sense of what it is they would buy from you, you know, the effort that they can save if they do want to purchase the uh, the full migration product. Yeah, I do believe that there are some uh, some um, really cool uh, free tools, uh, but most of them are, uh, uh, they do code analysis. Uh, they don't do code migrations. Right. You know, except for the upgrade wizard in Visual Studio. And uh, there are many, many code analysis tools out there. And actually, we we have uh, we wrote one. Actually, I I did that, uh, and, uh, and and it's interesting because uh, this is what uh, what we do. We have a, this um, this tool which is called uh, VB6 Bulk Analyzer, and it's a command line tool because I <laughs> I am really 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 bad at creating a user interfaces so i prefer <laughs> command line tools that's the truth i, I didn't write the, the user interface of vb immigration partners so uh, anyway i wrote this tool that actually can um, can visit all the directories in an directory tree and uh, analyze all the bas or frm uh, or cls db6 uh, files and creates a report now, the, the, the interesting part of, the, of this uh, tool is that its output is just a, a text uh, file. It's not really fancy. It doesn't have a user interface or graphics, etc. It's very, very simple. The, the, the interesting part is that our potential customers, they can send us uh, the report from uh, the bulk analyzer. We return a complete analysis, textual analysis uh, of the application. And with all the points uh, that should be uh, taken carefully, you know, pay attention to this. For example, you are using key sets. Uh, key sets are not uh, supported natively by ADO.net, you know, that kind of stuff. And right. uh, we come up with the two or three pages of uh, a report of uh, two or three pages long. And uh, it, we believe that uh, we... We make a, a very good service to our customers, even if, even if they, they don't become customers, actually. Uh, Francesco, you've mentioned there's a, a couple other folks that you work with on this project. Uh, can you call them out? Who are they? Oh, yes. Um, first of all, Marco Bellinazzo. Marco Bellinazzo is a, is a writer for Rocks. He, he wrote several uh, uh, titles for Rocks, uh, and he's also the author of uh, NSP.net uh, Starter kit uh, published on Microsoft website, and the other one is Giuseppe Di Mauro, who is uh, my partner in Code Architect, and, and uh, he's also the, the the other regional director here in Italy. This, the, 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 we are uh, we, we are let's say the leaders between parts of, of uh, the project. Uh, and then of course we have some guys working at the tech support, and uh, and we. No, we we continuously improve the the library or the code generation engine. It's a, it's a very good team, actually. 
and uh, we've done a, a very good job. Uh, and uh, I, I, I still believe, you know, that when you write this kind of uh, tricky software, smaller is better in this case. So I Absolutely. was in charge of the engine, the, the parser and the cogeneration engine. Marco Bellinazzo was in charge of all the user interface, uh, report, uh, export to Excel, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Giuseppe Di Mauro is the wizard when it, uh, it's, uh, it's time to debug uh, uh, what happens uh, inside the .NET framework or even inside Windows or Complus or ADO. So I believe we have a... A very well-assorted team. It was a pleasure to work uh, this way. And just so everyone knows, if I'm buying the retail product, uh, what's the pricing like? What does it cost for the full package? Oh, oh, let me. Oh, you you you, you catch me off guard because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do these usually. We have a, one guy who takes care of that. Anyway, the more or less I can tell you. Um, the price depends on the size of the application. That's okay. common uh, even with our competitors. Also, our competitors do that. And uh, I would say the I, – I may be wrong, okay, but I believe the, the, the version that uh, it's about uh, – uh, the, the, the version that can translate up to 100,000 lines of code should cost around uh, three thousand dollars more or less okay again i might be the might not be the exact price but more or less it should be that and my gut my gut feeling is that anyone who is in need of such a tool um that's cheap yeah i do believe so we again we we have are migrate, I mean, our customers are migrating uh, you know, huge projects uh, with billions of lines of code. We are tackling in this uh, in, uh, in, uh, in this year. We are take, uh, we are you know helping one Italian company who is after a 15 million lines of code project, which is mm. huge. It's a monster. Yeah, it's really a monster. Uh, and uh, and uh, actually, we are improving the the, the engine uh, to take care of, of uh, their issues. I mean, when we have uh, when you have 15 million lines of code, even the smallest problem becomes enormous. They had this warning was a, a warning, and uh, they required. The, I mean, the warning uh, the warning in um, the the migration partner emitted the code, a warning saying that you have to manually fix these because I don't know what to do here. Okay. It's a minor warning. Nobody has complained, had complained about that warning before. But uh, when they launched the, 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 the tool over the project, they came up with 390,000 occurrences of that warning. Ouch. 390,000. And of course, we had to improve the, the engine so that we could, we could get uh, rid of uh, of the problem. I mean, everything becomes uh, complex uh, when you work with this uh, project. Yeah, no kidding. So it's really it's a scale thing here, and smaller projects is not that big a deal. When you get to big projects, they can be big problems. And yeah, you know, Carl's right. When you think about the cost of development compared to the cost of the tool, it's a it's a dramatic difference. Yeah. I'll tell you, there is, a, I believe uh, there is, a, let me see, because I should, I should have a, a case study 
somewhere on our website. And just a moment. Okay. No, uh, it's not mentioned. I was looking at a case study. They don't mention uh, the actual cost of the entire migration. It was a partner of ours who did the migration in in in, uh, in Germany. They didn't. Man- they don't mention in the case study the cost of. Um, of the entire migration, but uh, I know for sure that uh, the tool itself, uh, it's uh, from 5 to 10% of the entire cost. Right. No no more than, I believe, 7 8% of the entire cost, which is actually means that uh, if, you, if you have a slightly better tool in one area, you can save months of development on this large project. And it makes sense. For example, one of the things that we... we really insisted on is having uh, is achieving uh, 100% functional equivalence with the bb6 code because our idea is that uh, ideally even if uh, doesn't really happen often but but ideally uh, if you have migrated uh, without compilation errors uh, the application should work uh, as in bb6 Exactly as VB6, so no exceptions, and that's why we have wrapped many VB.NET or .NET methods inside our own methods, so that we can, you know, change things or tweak things until they they behave exactly as VB6. And, and, and this, this appears to be a minor problem, but the, the key point is that you can save a lot in terms of in, during. A, the debug and test phases, for example. That's one. Uh, uh, these, those phases, I mean, the bug and testing uh, are often hidden costs during the migration, and we want to reduce them to zero or at least a very low number. Francesco, we're just about out of time here, but I'd like to thank you very much for telling us about your tool yeah, and thanks. about your great work in the, in the field of migration. Pleasure to be here. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. And we'll see you next time. I'm it rocks. Dotnet rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC Yes, I'm a...